That's a dangerous chair, Christian. Are you recording? Yeah, I'm recording. Oh, I guess we're starting. We're going to talk about your dangerous chair. We have a lot of things to talk about, like uh, like what's on the list? What's on the list? We added Mumford and Sons. Mumford and Sons. <laughs> Mumford and Sons. That's going to be an White interesting one. Yeah. conspiracy. <laughs> Oh, boy. Uh, <laughs> well, anyway. I want you to know the power of the underground. You just press down in this lever with your thumb and then... We're here in studio with Ryan Burns of uh, the Ryan Burns and the Vocal Ghosts Band. What up? Hey. You know, just wrapped up recording. So uh, why don't you tell the fine folks listening at home, um, where did you kind of get started with music? Because you got kind of a unique style with the banjo and all that stuff. It's not really, I feel like a lot of kids don't grow up saying, I want to learn how to play the banjo, you know? Uh, well, I didn't start out on the banjo. That that was, that was a later in life sort of situation. I started out like, singing in church choirs and playing in school band and things like that for a long time. Uh, really in the classic rock in high school. Um, and then went to college and I was originally a physics major and then did a complete 180 and became a ethnomusicology major. I studied like music and culture and like anthropology and music combined sort of and uh parents didn't like it at first um and probably a bad financial decision but uh it got me into the music world and kind of right after college was when uh when banjos were all the rage again and so i learned the banjo and me and me and my friend started a band called distant brothers and one of us needed to learn the banjo and so we both tried and i was better at it and then i fell into the 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 secret world of banjo after that and just got into bluegrass and went down the rabbit hole from there yeah started going to blue banjo camps and things like that and there's banjo camps there's banjo camps yeah banjo world is much bigger than people usually think it seems like yeah i'm maybe not bigger but way more enthusiastic. <laughs> Cult following. Yeah, it's definitely. Yeah, it, it is probably deeper than most people think it is. Yeah. Most people they're like banjo, and then it's like either Mumford and Sons or like Deliverance, and that's. I was just gonna say Deliverance. <laughs> yeah. But but for real, I feel like um, up until recently, and there's kind of this resurgence of like the bluegrass and folk scene with a lot of banjo in it. Um, but banjo has almost been like a dirty word. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's almost like people were like, why would you want to play a banjo up until recently? And there's been this kind of push for that music, you know? Yeah. It's, it's sort of something like when I actually talk to people who, who are like listening to music, I'm like, sometimes feel apologetic about the banjo and then they're like, no, we we all love the banjo. And I've never run into anyone who's just like straight up hate the banjo when I'm in front of them, probably behind my back they're saying it. 
Yeah, I was gonna say it'd be <laughs> a little upfront. Be like, oh, I play banjo. Like, wow, you suck. Yeah, <laughs> you haven't heard me play yet. Shit, thanks, Mumford and Sons. No, um, <laughs> we're gonna make fun of them a whole lot today. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah, everyone else does, right? Yeah, I mean, at this point, I would say so, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but no, I think that's interesting because, like, when I I have a banjo, I'm not very good at it. But uh, he has his three favorite riffs. Yeah, I got like. <laughs> I got it to learn like one Black Keys song, and then there was a Megadeth song that they had banjo in, <laughs> and I was like, "Hell yeah, that's what I'm, that's what I'm here for." I don't think I've heard the Megadeth banjo yet. It's uh, what's, uh, what's that it song? From the, the Blackest the, Crow. Okay. From the uh, the Blackhawks play. Like their like their post games song. Uh, it's not a. I don't think their Blackhawks play anything with banjo in it. I'm saying like the actual hockey team, the Chicago Blackhawks. Like the no, song that they play post? That's what I'm saying. They don't play a post song that has banjo in it. What, Chelsea Dagger? That has no banjo. You sure? I'm pretty sure I'll just listen to that song yeah. yesterday. Sorry, okay. Mike. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I think you're wrong. Sorry, bud. Yeah. All right. Mike's off the podcast, everybody. That's it. <laughs> it's over. Um, But yeah, even when I was like, yeah, I want to get a banjo, people were like, why? <laughs> you know? <laughs> and uh, now it's it's more socially acceptable. So I should probably bust that out and get better at it. But yeah, and it's it's the sort of instrument where once you get into it, then most people who like cross a certain threshold just like become obsessed with it. Once once you like once you learn like one Earl Scruggs song or something, then you're just done. You're just a banjo player, and that's your whole identity at, at that point. Yeah. So what what like attracted you to it once you kind of like started playing and you're like, oh, wow. And then how did that kind of trigger that? I don't know. Like uh, I had always. So since high school, I had played like guitar and I was most always attracted to like finger picking guitar, uh-huh. like uh, like old folk, Bob Dylan, Simon Garfunkel, that sort of stuff. Um and so so that translated pretty well over to the banjo but um i think so i got into the banjo because of the avit brothers were the start scott avit and he has like his own weird style where he kind of strum plays and a lot of my playing includes that but what where i really got obsessed with the banjo and really wanted to like get good at it was uh the band the punch brothers um with uh chris Thiele and noam pekelny and that noam pekelny is the banjo player and he's just like just mind-blowingly good that whole band is unbelievable yeah i just i just started playing mandolin to learn punch brothers songs yeah, so. yeah. dylan brings that up every podcast oh, you know what i go. made the mandolin i'm really proud of it okay oh. you don't need to hate him yeah I know, like, the R.E.M. song <laughs> that everybody knows um, and the Battle of Evermore. So we're going to stick with that. All right, <laughs> That's all you need. But let's so let's talk about your path to banjo a little bit. You said you were in physics. Mm-hmm. Like, what happened between physics and your music degree? What, what changed? Was it something or was it just, like, I like music better? Um, so, yeah, I was in physics and I was I was doing pretty good at it. Um, but then I 
took like an elective course called Intro to World Music, um, which was, yeah, about ethnomusicology basically, which is what I end up majoring in. And I just love the class. And yeah, for some reason, by the end of that semester, I was just like, I'm going to, you know, go talk to someone in the school of music. Like, how do I do this? That class was your gateway. Yeah. Yeah. It was, yeah, learning about like, uh, so I went to the University of Illinois. They had, they have a good music and ethnomusicology program. And um, they, they studied like, uh, Zimbabwean uh, finger pianos and beers and kalimbas and West African drumming, Mande drumming and gamelans and uh, just so you have a very wide knowledge of world music. Yeah, yeah. Usually, if you're an undergrad, you kind of get a whole spectrum of things and you kind of specialize a little bit. But um, once you go to grad school, usually what would happen is you'd like spend two years, you'd go um, do some ethnography and like with an actual community and learn about like how they mesh with culture and you'd do a dissertation and whatnot. I didn't and I just did undergrad. So my my knowledge is wide, but maybe not general, not as deep. Wider Uh, than the average person. though. Yeah. Yeah. You know who else did that? Dylan, uh, we're fans of the show The League. The guy Rafi, the actor. Yeah. Yeah, he did that. He was a music major and then traveled, I think, in Africa somewhere and stayed so a long time and studied music there and then became an actor. <laughs> a, a very <laughs> weird comedian actor. Yeah, that's he is a weird dude. Yeah. Um, Works out for him, though. Yeah, I mean, I think he's doing all right. Good old Rafi. <laughs> Um, so let's talk a little bit about uh, your album that just came out last year, right? Yeah, yeah, it came out November 2020 called uh, Static Year. Um, I wonder where that title came from. <laughs> uh, not where you'd think. Really? Yeah. No, so I had written the album pre-pandemic and actually recorded everything. Like, we recorded in january and february and the very beginning of march of 2020 um my friend will phelan he has a studio and uh, we recorded there and like we were just doing the last overdubs right right when things were starting to get real and uh and so the whole the static year fit really well thematically (laughs) yeah absolutely with uh with what happened after but um no the i first thought of the title static year because i had an old iphone and the microphone was broken i must have like got it wet or something and so every and like as a musician getting like song ideas you put voice memos and you like sing to yourself and so everything on that every phone call i made was just 90% 90% static would be like yeah, yeah, yeah and you couldn't hear any words really and uh it took me a year until I got a new phone and that's where the so it was a year of static in. okay yeah. static <laughs> that's um, funny yeah and that worked out perfectly <laughs> <laughs> yeah combination of that and I was that same year I was like applying for jobs um I was looking to go like 
pivot a little bit away from music and go into, you know, I was looking for like nonprofit jobs and music related arts related things that didn't work out at all. That was a really depressing year. And so that was another static year was that, that year. So I kind of combine those things and then pandemic happened. There's a third meaning, I guess, for it. So, yeah. Well, names a triple threat. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it all came together though. Um, so one of the songs you did with us, uh, Hey Navigator, you said was off that one, right? Yeah. Yeah. So talk to us a little bit about your inspiration writing that one. Uh, so Hey Navigator, um, was written because of, uh, an architectural <laughs> tour that me and my wife went on, um, during that year. Um, and like it was a walking tour through downtown, um, looking at like skyscrapers and other buildings. I don't remember most of the stuff, yeah, but gotcha. we were with a tour group walking through and I was just like making note of various characters I saw through it and uh like either on the drive to that or the drive back like just the term hey navigator came up and then I was like that sounds cool and so I made the song it's sort of yeah about like just different people trying to trying to get through life because we all are and it's you know it's tough. Yeah. This thing called life. That's a cool thing that could take on many meanings though too. Yeah. Hopefully, uh hopefully it got there with yeah. many meanings. <laughs> I don't know. But but yeah. Uh, but like the banjo part was super cool. It kinda reminded me of um this band I've been listening to called can't remember i think it's like called like amigo the devil or something oh yeah like amigo that. the devil's good. yeah so the banjo part kind of reminded me of that a little bit and like the phrasing of the lyrics and stuff like that but uh yeah super cool um so when you do the the studio version which actually i didn't hear that one when i went through and listened to your stuff how like engineered is it can you know what i'm saying just the solo banjo version compared to the studio version how does it compare um it's definitely more indie rockish um the banjo's still in there um but so like musically where a lot of the sound from this album came from i was telling you this before we were recording the session things i got uh a drum machine out in southwest michigan which is uh near where the Gibson factory used to be I there's this uh, drum machine called the Maestro Rhythm King that Gibson made uh, from like the 60s and 70s and for some reason I had the idea that I wanted to get one of those I think because I wanted like if I was playing a solo show to just have something besides just me and yeah something to keep a little little rhythm to it yeah and so I got this weird old drum machine and uh, I started writing songs with it and so Hey Navigator kind of came with that and so there's like the drum machine mixed with drums and some guitar and banjo and harmonies and horns and it's a lot more things going on than just me and the banjo but so you said you had horns in there did you have like a actual horn section come in and like record or was it more of a 
I well, there was one guy who just played the just played everything three parts. <laughs> um, That's cool. Yeah, uh, uh, James Davis is a jazz trumpet guy in the city, um, Chicago, the city for for those who aren't living there <laughs> and know where I'm from. But yeah, he's uh, he's real good. He played trumpets and flugelhorn, I think. Like I think what? that's what it's called. A flugelhorn, it's like a slightly bigger trumpet almost. That's a great name. Yeah, I recently discovered that flugelhorn was a real instrument. <laughs> I, I always thought it was like a made-up thing. It sounds like a Dr. Seuss thing. Yeah, it absolutely does. <laughs> it, it really does, yeah. Where's our intern to look up a picture of a flugelhorn for we us? Hold on. Put him on furlough. <laughs> oh, yeah. Couldn't afford him. Anyway. You're like, where did you get interested in the drum machines? Like, how did that... Because you said you got... You, you dove down into a rabbit hole again yeah i uh so like i said i was starting to play more uh more solo shows around like touring regionally doing little solo gigs and i i think i i did a gig with this guy from detroit who i don't remember his name but he does like looping with a banjo okay um and I got a looping pedal and tried it a bit and was just, I didn't feel like doing that. <laughs> and so I was like, okay, I need something else where I can get some rhythm in there. So a drum machine. And then I tried like a more modern drum machine where mm -hmm. you can do like basically anything. And I was also just, that's too many choices. And then I looked at, started digging into old drum machines and like, uh, like some of the old ones that like Sly and the Family Stone used and like the early uh, rap and like neo soul sort of ones they would use and all these like weird old analog drum machines that don't keep perfect time and make weird sounds and are hard to fix and make because they're analog and and was there so, like, like a, a certain tone you're looking for like a style or is it just like something to basic just keep the beat and not have so many choices um yeah so partly like i like the sort of kind of vintage analog kind of thuddy sort of sounds that yeah. some of them make and like they have like those cool cymbal like real tss, tss sounds like but not so like clean mm -hmm. that that like your 808s and sort of, well 808s aren't exactly clean but that is just kind of not so big of a sound a little sort of like smaller and condensed and then the older drum machines also instead of having like you program your 16 beat sort of thing you just have like the little presets so okay the, like the, the button's always the same thing kind of thing yeah so the the maestro rhythm king the, i went with that one because i found a cheap one in someone's garage and uh it has like bossa nova salsa bolero slow rock and waltz and all these disco and go-go beats <laughs> and and so you can also do two at once and so you can make some really weird rhythm combinations by putting like a waltz with a you know, pasa doble beat <laughs> it also has it has a lot of weird like 
Latin ballroom dance beats. Apparently, people were really into like it has like <laughs> nine different uh, like salsa, samba, bossa nova, paso doble, bolero. Are those your uh, your choice for playing with the banjo? Salsa uh, beats. Uh, actually, yeah. So for for like three or four songs, I used like the salsa or bossa nova beats. That's kind of cool because it makes it different too mm-hmm. than normal people. Yeah, and it you can you can do some fun things with with those beats, and if you combine that with like the disco beat or the go go beat, you get some really some really cool sounds. So, I so are they? Are they like synchronized on there? Like if you start two at the same time, or is it like if you start one and then three seconds later you hit another one, it's like all out of whack? Oh no, it's it's they're always synchronized. Okay, so it's, you can't do like half a measure off, which would be a whole nother thing. There's a whole nother. I mean, you could world if you, to explore there, if you just you record each of them, and then you can manually put them together. Yeah, but then yeah, again, sure. that's the problem of like having to do it on time with a looper. Yeah, and doing yeah. me like, oh, well, I screwed up that section. I got to <laughs> delete it and start over again. Yeah. Yeah. As like I'm I'm going to start using the drum machine with the band, I probably am going to record some of those beats onto like a loop pedal or something mm-hmm. or onto like a sample pad for the drummer to use just because it's like a 50-year-old, 60-year-old drum machine it's maybe not the most reliable thing yeah, on i've, stage. I've yeah. had gigs where it just like <laughs> stopped working for no reason and just wouldn't work the rest of the night and then the next day it works again and so Sick. like dylan's laptop yeah like my laptop that's exactly <laughs> what it is how does your drummer feel you bringing in uh machines to uh do the drum uh robots know. are replacing them yeah, yeah it's makes his job easy <laughs> not no, even like a new nice. robot dude it's a it's a 50 year old <laughs> robot yeah this is Can't a bad be robot that. Yeah. but no it, it, he, he enjoys it it's, <laughs> no because it's definitely it uh we were just practicing with it and he was saying like oh it gives him freedom to just play around now that like the the bass beat is sort of so he's embracing it yeah okay good mm-hmm. uh, one of the first videos we saw you was uh you performed for the uh, great lake jumper Oh yeah, yeah, and that's and Dylan and I were watching, and Dylan's like a drum machine and a banjo. We're in. That's it. <laughs> he was sold. Yeah, yeah, that Great Lake Jumper. What a great. This is the best thing that happened last year. That was a weird story. Like I, I caught on in the last month of his jumps. Yeah, I just want to point out the underground session started last year. So. Oh, sorry. <laughs> We at least be like second best. Yeah, you're 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 up there. With right, cool. Yeah, <laughs> top five. We'll take it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But just like I went to his his last like his 365 day when he had done Jeff it, Tweedy a whole year. Like Jeff Tweedy came, uh, and like uh, what's his name? The I don't know. There, but there were like a lot of cameos, and there were like hundreds of people there for this barbecue, and like looked like a good time yeah that's Jumped crazy into the lake with him w- with him and with like hundreds of other people it was fun so just yeah see i didn't find out that that was even happening until like a week after it was over oh and i was like ah, oh, yeah that would sorry. have been a cool thing to like become a part of yeah <laughs> maybe he'll do like a 700 
30 day or whatever. <laughs> is he still going? Yeah, he's still jumping. Yeah, I saw like the next day. I'm like, okay, it's over. He did. He accomplished his goal. That's a full year. And then I see him post the video the next day. He's jumping back in the lake. Yeah. <laughs> We're going back to back. Yeah, I think I don't think he's like, at least at the moment, maybe just to take a break from like logistics and stuff, getting as many musicians. I think he's had a couple musicians on. But I think at this point, it looks like it's just like a his morning routine yeah yeah Yeah, how do you break that habit well i was gonna say too like where do you go from like jeff tweedy coming out and playing for you while you're jumping in the lake (laughs) yeah Mm -hmm. like it's kind of hard to top they'd be like okay well what are we gonna do next year (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly i mean he'd had a barbecue and wilco like what do you go from there but the videos that uh that just like seem so rough there's ones in the winter where him and some guys are breaking up the ice yeah. in a little tiny spot so he could jump in. Like, yeah. there's no way I would ever do that. That's a yeah. seems super that's dangerous. It's like a fear because then he gets trapped under the ice or something yeah. like that. That's scary. Yeah, when it was real bad, he would go, instead of being out on the lake proper, he'd go into the little harbor. Okay. So That's safer. Yeah, because there were days when it would he would get hurt because the waves were too big. Yeah, those um, winter water storms are nasty yeah but he also lost one of his shovels doing that and (laughs) during my my time playing for him he was he was looking for it there was a bike down there that we were thinking of trying to pull up but i don't think he ever did is it one of those divvy bikes because that'd be hilarious um someone just parked it in the water (laughs) (laughs) people leave those things weren't sure but I saw a picture of one the other day that was just hanging from a tree. (laughs) Oh, my God. If it was a Divi bike, that thing's not coming out. Those things weigh like 300 pounds. Yeah, like how do you... Are they really that heavy? They're They're pretty heavy. Yeah. That's that's funny. I hope it is. (laughs) Except for... I'm like, sorry about your company, but like I hope it's at the bottom of a lake. You know? (laughs) For jokes. Mm -hmm. Because it's funny. (laughs) For jokes. (laughs) (laughs) Well, talk to us a little about... The uh, white supremacist Mumford and Sons conspiracy. Yeah, let's just switch gears here. <laughs> let's, let's just yeah. do a complete that's, 180. It's a good segue. <laughs> <laughs> let's go from talking about a nice, wholesome thing to family fun to not. Actually, before we get on that subject, uh, what was the cause for the Great Lake Jumper? Like, wh- he, it was something to do with music, wasn't it? Or uh, Yeah, he was doing it to support um, the Civil, the Chicago Independent Venue League. Okay. Um for the uh the venues that obviously couldn't put on shows and uh so that was money towards supporting them keeping them afloat trying to uh, keep as many workers and venue owners from completely going under Um, he did not choose an easy way to support them no no it was but yeah that's what caught my eye was the whole venue thing and I think that's where the the hype came from. Is like this guy's doing something crazy to help support people, and it's yeah. not just some like, oh, go fund me. I'm gonna write a nice article. Like I'm actually doing something. Yeah, because people were posting articles of him in like different countries of his story or different places. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. from what you showed me, it became like a really big deal. Like, yeah, people mm-hmm. were following it all around the country, all around in other countries. Yeah, I think after the 365 day, there were some people like from California who were who did like a road trip across country and <laughs> asked if they could could jump in with him. 
Yeah, it's a real feel-good story. It is. I just wanted to talk about that cause before we jump into a not so <laughs> yeah. good story. Yeah, <laughs> great feel-good story. Anyway, white supremacy. No, um, it's a real issue. It is a real issue yeah. that apparently plagues the Mumford and Sons as well. Or yeah. just one of the members. Well, this is <laughs> something one that we know of. Yeah, yeah. This is something that we had no idea about, and then. So it was the banjo player. Out of all, out of everyone, it was yeah. the banjo player. Mm-hmm. That's how this is all tied together. We started talking about banjo players. So what did he do? He he tweet. He just retweeted something that you should. He shouldn't have. Basically. Yeah, it was just uh, he retweeted a article from a white, like a right wing provocateur, white supremacy sort of uh, guy who, you know, I don't even remember his name. Um, had some things on his mind he wanted to say. Well, I mean, that's good. Like, and, let's not give a platform to that guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> give his name out. But. Um, but, yeah, he retweeted some article he had written or something and was like, I don't even remember if he just retweeted or he quote to you and was like, this is a good idea or something. And people saw that and were like, dude, that's not cool. And he just sort of doubled down with it. He like never really apologized for it or like confronted the idea of it. What a move to be like, oh, I did, it's not that I, you know, just sorry, guys. I didn't understand really where this was going. He was just like, nah. Yeah. We're going for it. Yeah, because it was. Full steam ahead. It wasn't like, uh, you know, this is white supremacy article. It was like some you could have had some plausible deniability like. Oh, There's I some nuance in there. Yeah, yeah, I didn't understand it completely, but he. Uh, so the wrong like a die. couple <laughs> months passed because Mumford and Sons has been on hiatus for like three, four years or something at this point. So it could have just passed and been like, you know, who cares about Mumford and Sons anymore? What have they done? <laughs> they didn't even use the banjo player on their last album. Yeah, well, they he played guitar. He's their lead guitarist too, but. Yeah, have have whole other things to talk about their actual folk credentials. All right, Um, let's get into it. But tear uh, apart Mumford and Sons banjo playing right now. Let's go. Well, if you look him up, his name is Winston Marshall. By the way, the first article is Mumford and Sons banjo player taking time away after praising right wing pundit. That's (laughs) not the first article you want on Google for yourself. Yeah. Like, yeah. when you just Google his name, it's not like, oh, what did he do? It's just not his that, name. Not that the <laughs> band he was in his first two albums went, like, crazy successful. Mm. Yeah. Nah. <laughs> Tweet. Um, but, yeah, and they, like, it was two or three months until they kicked him out of the band or really responded to it at all. And he just sort of doubled down, and apparently, like, they were, they said, like, just apologize for it and you're still in the band it's fine and then he was no i'm not going to and he's apparently like a rich trust fund kid too which it tracks <laughs> yeah checks out um, um yeah but yeah, nobody not, likes this guy so tear him apart go yeah, for it he's, he's a <laughs> he's not a very good banjo player at all he uh he's yeah i mean mumford and sons apparently from what i gather they were like mostly in like rock musicians and that's kind of where they ended up for their third album and or like sort of indie and rock and uh they got into oh brother where art thou as we all did yeah it's an amazing movie for sure um 
and so they went in this folk direction and the Winston guy picked up a banjo and he learned some roles and he learned like three roles or something and how to play chords and uh, just learned to play those like three things really fast. Not, not even really fast. I won't say really fast cause it's not that fast. Uh, and just well uh, enough. I like yeah, the, I like the slander right now. It's yeah, <laughs> it's, it's good enough for like, 95% of the population be like, oh, that's that's banjo, and it's fast because every banjo is... You can play banjo fast. That's the whole point of it. But he just sucks is what I'm trying to say. It's not, not really original or interesting once you, like, look at it. The songwriting's great. Like, I still like yeah. Marcus Mumford and his song. Yeah, role. I agree. He wrote for uh, the Ted Lasso show. Oh, yeah, that's right. For that. And there was some good music in there. Yeah. Well, I think, too, like... You know, people, I mean, we were just talking about before we hopped on the podcast, like Wilder Mind or whatever they called that album where they went more indie was like, it wasn't bad music. It was just like there. You yeah, know? it just wasn't that interesting. Yeah. In which, yeah. But I mean, like the songwriting on their first two albums was great. Mm -hmm. I, was, I was a big fan of it. But um, so like, I mean, a lot of people can't name more than one banjo player or like oh this band has banjo in it so like where who for you is like the the mount rushmore of banjo players you know like i feel like there's for guitarists you're like okay there's hendrix and then there's van halen like all these guys so it's like for banjo players who is kind of that that person i mean it depends uh what style of banjo um so like there's basically in american or americana music there's like the claw hammer tradition and and bluegrass three finger style um the claw hammer tradition kind of sticks closer to kind of how banjos were originally played when they were like you know the combination of a bunch of instruments brought over during the slave trade again bringing up fun topics but uh so bluegrass banjo which is more what i play it was kind of developed around like the 30s and 40s uh and so that's what i'm playing just wanna uh so there's uh let's see what was the question mount rushmore banjo players sorry i could go on for days about banjos um so my mount rushmore of banjo players uh so number one is earl scruggs uh, cause Earl Scruggs is kind of the father of the bluegrass banjo. Um, and yeah, flat and Scruggs and that he's the guy yeah, deliverance sure. and, uh, the theme to Bonnie and Clyde and every band. If you think banjo in your head, it's probably, it's probably Earl Scruggs. Gotcha. Um, then, uh, Noam Pakelny, the, the banjo player from Punch Brothers. I think he's the, best player in the world right now in my opinion there's others who are close and like he's i wouldn't call him the greatest banjo in the player in the world right now that's probably bela fleck also on the mount rushmore he's the next one because uh, he changed banjo completely from wh what he did he like start so was he was he a part of a group i've never heard heard that name before you've so. never heard bela fleck no well you should check out bela fleck and the fleck tones 
Um, it's a great name. That is a Flectones. brilliant name. Yeah, that's uh, we're listening to some Flectones on the way back. Yeah, Mike. it's it's a crazy like fusion fusion band. They do like some bluegrass influences, like jazz, funk, all kind. Victor Wooten's the bassist. Oh, um, ish. Yeah, that's pretty okay. Yeah, so, so that's that's the level of where they're at. Yeah, Bela gotcha. Fleck not only is like technically amazing, but like just brought banjo into a lot of places it wasn't before. Yeah. Gotcha. That's very cool. And uh yeah, and now he plays with all kinds of people and I went speaking of banjo camps, I went to one of his camps and it was amazing. Uh the Bela Fleck Blue Ridge Banjo Camp. What is a banjo camp? I was just gonna say, like, what um, does that yeah. entail? Like it's going to a banjo like camp. A bunch of banjo players get together, um, and they bring in like three or four or five or however many uh, teachers, and you kind of split into groups, and you go and you take classes over the course of like four days with all of them. And uh, yeah, this one there was like Bela Fleck and Noam Pukelny. Uh, Alan Mundy, Kristen Scott Benson, Tony Trishka, which most of those names, if you're not into banjo, is probably like a who, who, who. But if you're into banjo, you're like you'd be very shape. impressed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so were you just starstruck when you got yeah. there? Yeah. And then you have to perform in front of them? Uh, Yeah. <laughs> and at the end, there was like a big concert, mostly so people could hear the teachers play because they were they're all amazing but like at the end we had all like a hundred of the students there on stage all playing banjo which objectively too many banjos together (laughs) Um, it's not i was gonna say you said there's like a big concert i was like do they do like two at a time or like because it seems like just be like all right because one banjo sounds like five yeah already it's the eight (laughs) 18 banjo band. Dude. It's not like a, a violin where like if you put a hundred violins together, great. Yeah. it sounds beautiful. It sounds like cool. It's a hundred banjos. It's just a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. It's an, it's an aggressive move for sure. But yeah, that was more like for the novelty of it. And then like they had some of the standout students and like the teachers all did performances and they had like uh, Sierra Hall, a mandolin player was there and she she did some stuff and so like how good do you need to be to get into a banjo camp uh it depends there's some some beginners ones ones? yeah and there's some that are just beginner to advanced there's some just beginner this one was a bit more advanced it did like a audition video um i played like a couple songs for it very cool when did this happen that was august 2019 i think where was it at uh, it was in North Carolina, and what was the name of the town? Oh, uh-huh, so took a little road trip uh, out there. Brevard, 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 North Carolina. They have this, there's like this Brevard Music Center or something. I forget the name of it. But apparently it specializes in being a camp for like orchestras to like have retreats at. Okay. So they have like enough room and board and cabins for all the orchestra members and then they have like rehearsal rooms and everything oh and that's so cool. it's like a hotel room and board for musicians yeah. 
a music yeah. resort. Yeah. But it's, it, <laughs> yeah, it feels like a summer camp sort of vibe. Like you've got to walk down Is from your campfire? cabin. Yeah, that's kind of sick. Um, campfire with banjo. I mean, what else do you need in yeah, North Carolina? I don't think we had any stories. campfires. I think that's just a bad idea. When, you sit at the campfire when, and then you just say, <laughs> well, well, I was thinking it's a bad idea because, you know, it was like people walking around with like thousands of dollars worth of and you'd very it by a fire instruments. Yeah. Um, the banjo players party? Like we all know guitarists party. Yeah, like, we we were up. Did it get wild? Like, it didn't. I mean, we. Or was it like you know, like jazz musicians? I just feel like in my head are like, oh yeah, let's have a. I mean, glass of brandy and. I mean, there were lots of beers brought too, and some some other other liquids, um, but uh, yeah, we were. So the classes would be done at like nine or ten. They the teachers would do a concert for us at the end too, and. Then we would jam from like nine or ten to like two or three in the morning every night. Um, so crazy in the sense that we were playing music mm-hmm. until the wee hours, but we didn't like. I'm sure the neighbors loved hearing banjos till three a.m. though. Mm-hmm, probably. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like I'm sure you guys are all super talented at banjo, but I'm sure it's like at a certain point you're like, I could be uh, done without listening to banjo at three a.m. now, you know. <laughs> Yeah, well, hopefully there's enough woods between us and the nearest neighbors, but yeah, uh, banjo really carries pretty well. Yeah, so I was gonna I say know. it carries, so it's like, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, we were uh, we're about out of time, man. But um, where can the good people find your album? You know, where can they find you on social media and all that cool stuff? Um, yeah, so the album's everywhere. You can find it if you wanna. Listen on Spotify, buy it on Bandcamp. Is, uh, and you can look up uh, Ryan Burns and the Vocal Ghosts anywhere you want to listen to it um, at, on social media. Uh, or my website is Burns Band, so at Burns Band or BurnsBand.com um, is where you can find me. Sweet. What's the album called? Static Year. Okay, awesome. Thanks for coming on, man. Yeah, uh, thanks for having me. We yeah, got to get great. you on with the the whole squad and the whole band, and yeah, do it all. Find up. like five more banjo players too, because I kind of want to hear that now. Yeah, can yeah. we get the whole the whole like the whole camp? camp okay, here? yeah. yeah. We'll, can we we'll, host a banjo camp not we, knowing yeah. anything about banjo? Yeah, there is a Midwest banjo camp that's up in a bit north of here in Michigan. All right, we'll so, go get them. Yeah, yeah. Can the microphones well, handle that? much banjo well i, I guess know. we'll figure out we'll put it like a mile away so <laughs> <laughs> we'll pick it up it'll be all right but uh yeah man um we will link everything to uh the burns band and the vocal ghosts stuff i just pronounced that wrong i was reading half of that um ryan burns and the vocal ghosts i'll cut the other part out um in the bio <laughs> his uh album his social media all that we'll put down below as always uh like follow share our stuff around follow us on youtube we would really appreciate it thanks take one and a half hey navigator in your green jumpsuit walking around the city are you lonely too i said hey navigator 
Standing in the tall grass Tell me, are you getting somewhere? Are you getting there fast? I said, hey, navigator In your sleeve tattoo Coming round the corner In your white pants and shoes Are the buildings fascinating? Should I save you from this man? Or am I part of the problem? I know that I am Oh, we're all lost and the lost will not be found The land and sea will hear our mournful sound What I found I said, hey, navigator How you doing in this heat? Something with your guitar scale and the fear that's in your chest
My tongue feels dizzy and dry Neon lights up my eyes Running down A brick wall night Lit in pink
tell us why you had to hide away for so long. Where did we go wrong? Mr. Blue Sky, please tell us why you had to hide away for so long. Where did we go wrong?
Thank you guys for listening and a huge thank you to Gerard Media LLC. You can listen to us on WIMS AM 1420, 95.1 FM, and 106.7 FM. You can also check us out at WHFB AM 1060, 102.5 FM. If you want to see some behind the scenes action, you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram to get all the cool stuff we post while we're recording. Thank you for listening in. Hope you found your new favorite artist. To check out more, check the link in the description episode. We will see you in two weeks.